0: Welcome to the Garden Church podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California.
2: Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. If you have a Bible, go to Ephesians chapter 2. Finishing a series called Yes, You... And I think it's been a great series. It's been a short four week series. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at the identity statements that Paul gives to the church in Ephesus. Um, the first week, we said, uh, You are a saint. Um, the second week, we talked about you being a work of art. Um, and I said that, that that talk was really a part one of a two part series. We're going to finish that, that topic today. Um, but last week, Bill talked about you being a temple. You are a temple. And today, we're going to talk about uh, you are an artist. And um, what I love about this passage is that it is, it is true. Um, and it's going to take some effort to get there. But I'm excited to sh- finish this series. And, because what God says about you is what's most important in your life. So let's just jump in to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to look at what we looked at two weeks ago, this passage in verse 1. Um, of chapter two, I'd love for you to read it with me. We're gonna um, we're gonna look at the passage, find out what the word is, uh, and look at what Paul's kind of what he implies in his mindset because he's speaking from a Jewish perspective, and then we're gonna c- come all the way back around and look at the implications for us being artists today in our everyday life. Is that cool? That's all I've got for you today. Are we good? All right. Verse one, chapter two. As for you. in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? Oh, that's such good news. For it is by grace you have been saved, in case you already forgot, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That's a powerful text, isn't it? Right there. So we have 10 verses, um, and last two weeks ago, we talked about the meaning of the first nine, basically, and we landed on that word, God's handiwork, that God um, has saved us uh, through faith um, all because of his grace. Grace is empowering us to do it. We can never do it on our own strength, and um, it is a gift that we have received. And he says, so God is working in us um, to make us a, a work of art. The word handiwork is the Greek word poema, which is about fine sculpting God, cr- his creative power in creating the world, but also his ability to take what is dead, what is trapped by sin, what is fallen and broken, and make it into a masterpiece that we, our identity is God's masterpiece. But that doesn't um, finish what, what Paul's saying. That doesn't, it, it's not the, the final thought to his, his um, explanation of who we are. And, and it's actually fascinating because if you want to just stop there, um, you wouldn't have the whole picture. And I was thinking about this series called Yes, You. And what's great about this series is, we, is that we talk a lot about ourselves, don't we? Because it has everything to do with us. And it would be great to just say, look, I'm a work of art, but Paul doesn't stop there. He says, yes, you're a work of art created for a purpose. And we want to stop with, no, I'm a masterpiece. But that's not the point. The point of this series is it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what God's trying to do in this world. You see, if we just stop there, we miss the entire point of what God's trying to do in us. Because what he's trying to do in us is so that he can use us for something else. He's doing something in us, transforming us to be used for good works. And that's what I want to talk about and finish this series on. You see, God uh, has a final product in mind. He has this masterpiece that's, that's not finished by just sitting and putting it on a shelf uh, to be thought of uh, at, at another point in time. He's creating us for a purpose, and that is for good works. And so let's talk about this word, this good works, because I'm fascinated by the sto- by what it represents and what it means. First of all, in Greek, the word good means beneficial or generous. So we are created for beneficial or, or generous works. The word works means task or occupation. And I love that. I love to translate it as we are created for a generous occupation. That's good, right? And it helps us think about this in a different way. In other words, everyone who follows Jesus is designed to be redeemed to do the work of Jesus. We're designed to be perfected in Christ in our identities so that we continue to do the works that Jesus did. In other words, you are saved for works. Stick with me for a second. We just talked about all this grace God, that we can't earn it, but we're saved to serve. That that God, um, now now the works and the service doesn't have anything to do with earning salvation or earning more favor in God or being better and having a bigger mansion in heaven. It has everything to do with the identity God's shaping around and in us. That this is who we are. This is what you do. We live out of what God is shaping in us. So we are both art art, And an artist. You are both a work of art and an artist. And the word artist means a person skilled at a particular task or occupation. A person skilled at a particular task or occupation. We are created for good works. Generous occupation. Now, I know this doesn't fully kind of make sense quite yet, but this is where we're going. Um, What does Paul mean by this? To understand what he 's getting at, we have to go into the mind of Paul, and he 's writing from a Jewish perspective, and he has two assumptions I believe that make him um, and uh, what actually he has two assumptions that empower him to stay, say this for the church and it 's all over the New Testament, this idea of good works created for good works, and it 's not in opposition of, of, of being saved by grace it 's in alignment with it so these are the two assumptions Paul's writing with. The first assumption I want to go into is that Paul has an assumption on what it means to be human. And that assumption is played out in this text. His assumption on what it means to be human. And his second assumption that he carries is, uh, is central to the Jewish community. And that is, what does it mean to keep the commandments of God and live in obedience to the Old Testament? So these two assumptions are playing into this. Are you with me? Okay, so we're going to go on a quick tour to understand the mind of Paul. So go to Genesis 1. This is going to help us understand what I'm talking about when we talk about good works and what does it mean for you to be an artist what does it mean for you to live um, out of the truest sense of self so that you are empowered to do good works? It all comes back to two things I believe that you see in Scripture, and one of them is what it means to be human, and the other, the Old Testament understanding of what it means to fulfill the commands of God. So, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, um, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So, The first assumption we have to recognize is that Paul believes that God created the heavens and the earth. And so with that comes all sorts of implications. It comes uh, all sorts of implications on what it means to be human. Now look later on in this passage, Genesis chapter 1 verse 11. I'm just going to kind of read this and we'll we'll pull out some, some information. Verse 11, God's creating um, uh, various things in the world, light, and then He separates the water and the land. And then He says in verse 11, then God said, Let the land produce vegetation. Circle the word produce. Maybe it says sprout. Seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed, seed in it according to their various kinds. So Genesis 1, verse 11, God creates the heavens and the earth and now in one he creates vegetation with plants that have the ability to create other plants. So God's creation is now going somewhere. This perfect environment has the capacity to create and produce life. Are you with me? Okay. Maybe. Verse twenty-six. Then God said, "Let us make mankind." By the way, can we just the word for produce is a great word, "deshah." You want to say? Uh, now, you want to learn some Hebrew words today? "Deshah." That's a good one. We have bara to create. Poema is the Greek counterpart. And now the, Greek, the Hebrew word is deshah. I love these words. You're going to love them too one day, maybe. Um, Let us make mankind in our image, verse 26, in our likeness, so, God, um, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule, there's that word again, over the fish in the sea, and over everything. And so a lot of yada, 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 But those are the words I want to focus on is that we have God creates humanity and he says, rule over them and subdue the earth. These two words are really important. To rule is radah. That's a good word, radah. All right, class, let's do it again, Radah. What did you learn on Mother's Day? Rada, it means to rule and um, and subdue is kibosh. It's a good one. And and it, rule and subdue. It, what it has to. Uh, what it kind of means is to have responsibility over and stewardship. So in this perfect environment that begins to take off with, uh, uh, with, with plants creating new life, it's beginning to go somewhere. Humans are blessed by God to, to have responsibility and to steward creation. Or what you could say is God in the beginning of humanity or in the beginning of the story invites humanity to care, participate, and steward creation. Or another way you could say it is God partners with humanity to create an environment for the world to flourish. This is how the Hebrews see what God does in Genesis 1, that God empowers humans to be human, is to partner with God in the the cultivating, the creating, the arranging, the working, the uh, 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 blessing of creation, the steward caretaking of creation, where you begin as a human to create environments, not only for other humans to flourish in raising up children, increase and multiply, but for the rest of the world and the earth to flourish in perfection. This is what is implied over the garden. Are you with me? So, to be human is to work with your hands, is to create is to arrange and bring order. We could talk about Adam and, and how he names the animals. It's, it's, to, it's, to, it's just to, to possess the things that God possessed. That's what it means to have his image and likeness. It, God blesses you to create and steward and organize and have responsibility and to work in perfect relationship with him. This is what it means to be human, to, to dream up of uh, sustainable communities and environments. Isn't that interesting? that from the beginning we were designed to create sustainable environments for the world to flourish. Are you with me? To be human is to create, is to steward, to care, and and that's what it was designed to be in the first place. So that's the assumption that Paul brings into understanding what it means to be human. To be human is to work, is to create. It wasn't this place where we just sat around doing nothing. There was activity, there was life, there there was beauty being cultivated and created. Are you with me? I can, I, are you with me? Let's do a little more. All right, I'm feeling much better. Okay, so that's the assumption that that world didn't last. Did it, did it last? Did we ex- no, it didn't. So it fell and uh, it became, it was destroyed because of sin. Now, what happens later on is um, God chooses a, a community, a group of people to redeem this world, okay? And this is really important because it's all going to come full circle. So Paul selects, um, the, the Isra- I'm sorry, God selects the Israelites and says um, in Exodus 19, go there real quick. Let's look at this verse. Exodus 19, he calls a group of people to partner with him in the renewing or redeeming of humanity. Okay, so it begins in Exodus. And this is what happens. Verse uh, Exodus 19, verse 4 God says this to the recently um, uh, delivered people of Israel. He says, You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, which is the summation of the, the commands of God, 613 laws in the Old Testament, the Mosaic law, if you keep that covenant, Then, out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Now, holy nation means to be set apart from all other things um, for the sake of being put on display. So, in the way that the Israelites were to live, they were to live in such a way that the rest of the world would see that there was God. That's what it meant to be holy. And a priest is someone who intercedes, they intercede on behalf of God to the rest of people and on, on behalf of people to God. Does that make sense? So their vocation, their occupation, was to represent God on earth. And how did they do this as a people? By keeping the commands of God. Are you with me? Now, this is some great history. So how do you keep the 613 Mosaic Laws, right? Right? The commands. That's nearly impossible. And then they added to it. Um, and so they, they created rituals and festivals. They created daily re- prayers and daily ways to remind the people of God how to obey the commands. And eventually they started memorizing the Torah. Um, and so they would train them in schools and educate them. But the way that the Jewish community saw themselves living out the commands of God was through walking with God day by day. This is from the Hebrew perspective. The way you fulfilled the command was through uh, what was called mitzvot. Mitzvot. You can say it's another Hebrew word. We're learning all sorts of Hebrew. Mitzvot. And it's a word that means commands, but it's a word that came to mean good works. So how did a family in the Old Testament learn that they or know that they were walking with God day by day, fulfilling all of the commands through daily opportunities of mitzvot, daily opportunities of good deeds, good works, It's nearly impossible to to think of the 613 Mosaic laws, but confronted day by day in ordinary life, they looked for opportunities to do what was best in the fulfillment of the law, and that was mitzvah, commands, daily ways of blessing people, caring for the poor, taking care of the orphans, taking in the widows, providing for those that had needs, looking for ways to love their neighbor. This was the fulfillment of the law, and this was Paul's perspective, that in the Jewish tradition was to fulfill the law was to do mitzvot, good deeds and when Paul writes to the church in Ephesus he tells them they are being sculpted and crafted by God to become a work of art and that work of art has a purpose and task of partnering with God in the renewal of all things through daily ways of good deeds are you with me To be human is to participate in the cultivation of creation. To be human is to partner with God in the caring and stewarding of all things. And to be Christian is to be fashioned by God, to be put on display for the world to see that there is a God by how you live. In the daily opportunities of blessing, of serving quietly, of loving gently, of being kind, of living with good deeds that point back to Jesus and the future redeemed humanity. Are you with me? You are an artist. An artist is good at a specific task or occupation. You become specialized in blessing people, serving people, loving your brothers and sisters that are not easily lovable by giving, by forgiving, by being the kind of person that in regular moments shows patience and gentleness and stewards the gifts and resources that you have so that you put God on display by how you live. This is mitzvot. This is good deeds. This is what it means for you to be an artist. And this is all over the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. It says this. Let's see if it's in there. Um, Hebrews chapter ten, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and mitzvot, good deeds. Go to the next slide. Um, you have in James chapter two a very famous passage. Whatever, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no mitzvot, good deeds? And go to 1 Peter. I love this one. This is probably my favorite one. Live such good lives among the pagans, those that don't believe, that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In 1 Peter, Peter is writing to a group of Christians that are being persecuted by uh, the emperor named Nero, whose uh, nickname was the Antichrist, or 666. Just so you know, we don't have to get to Revelation. He was called that in uh, first century uh, Palestine in the Roman Empire, just so you know. And so what you dealt with with Nero is he blamed the Christians for a fire that took place in Rome. And so he was killing Christians for their faith. And the way he would kill them is sometimes he would dress up as a beast and leave them locked up in a cage and nibble on them, hence the beast. Um, Other times he would light his garden parties um, with with Christians on stakes, burning them alive. And Peter says to them, the people that are being killed for their belief go, go back to that passage, live such good lives so that when your life is full of compassion, the next, go back one slide, please. Life is full of compassion, full of kind acts of love that when they accuse you, who's accusing them? Nero of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God in the midst of persecution. By how you live your life, there will be evidence towards the good things that you've done. Are you with me? So what Paul gets at and what the writers of the New Testament is that your faith is demonstrated by your actions. Now, again... We're not working to please God. You're not working to earn a favor from him. It has nothing to do with that. You can't do anything. That is a gift from God. But as a result of salvation, we now learn to offer our lives back. And one of the ways we offer our lives back is to give generously to others, to support others, to be gracious, to be good at being blessing machines. Are you with me? We become good at, at action. We should be able to be the first ones to respond to Nepal, the first ones that respond to crisis, the first ones to welcome in the hurting and the broken, Christians, because that's what God has done for us. And as a result of that, we give it back. That's what an artist does as a Christian. That's what it means for you to be an artist, to be good at doing the things that Jesus did and is continuing to do. Are you with me? God is crafting you to live a life in such a way that it reveals Jesus, because we are both art and artists. An artist is a person skilled at a particular task or occupation, and our task is the greatest task of all, continuing to partner with God in the renewing of all things, in the healing of the world. We become practitioners of the kingdom of God. You could say it like this, the world is our canvas. Our time, our money, our talents, our gifts, our skills, and our energies, our colors of paint and brushes. And God says, go make beauty. Go create art. I'm creating art through your life. Now go and do that for others. We get to creatively participate in the way that God is renewing the world. This is good news. This is good news, right? It's challenging. Anyone feel challenged? Hopefully. Now, how do we live this out practically? I always want to go there. I was thinking about this. This is a great, Just I could just end there. We could food for thought, walk away. But I started thinking, maybe um, we could just talk through some of the implications of the last four weeks and, and the implications of this text because I want to really land it intimately, if that's okay, because I really want it to, to impact all of our lives. And I think that this idea touches every single one of us uniquely. So how do we re- remain in our identity? How do we remain in a posture where we take this, these things seriously? Like you are art, you are artist, you are temple, you are a saint. I wanna give you some implications or observations over the last few weeks. The first thing, and you can, these are notes that I was thinking about for, the, for us to walk away from. First is this, just be you. Moving forward in life, there's only one you. And we are to be fully ourselves in Jesus Christ. If you want to learn to live the most vibrant life you can, you have to follow Jesus. And the only person that can follow him is you in your life. You have to be honest with where you are, with who you are and what it is that you truly are. You have to accept your limitations, accept the seasons of life you're in, accept the strengths and weaknesses you have and invite the Holy Spirit to teach you how to be you well. Is that good? Invite the Holy Spirit how to teach you to be you. Well, we don't need more Darrens. We need you to be you. That's good news. You don't have to be anyone else. You get to be you. And then you learn to give all of that away because life has nothing to do with you. (laughs) Jesus empowers you to be the best version of you there is. Jesus empowers you to be the best version of you there is. That's what this series teaches us. So just be you. Second thing I wanted to encourage us today. Remember, who you aren't isn't interesting. Remember that during our first talk? We spent our lives comparing ourselves to other people. We spend our lives looking at what we've messed up, what we haven't done, who we aren't, what we don't have. And that's not interesting. And when I think about learning to, to become an artist in, in Christianity with the language that we're using, to do good works. I think about you examining yourself, accepting who you are, accepting who I am, and then learning to live out of that without apology, without comparison. It's good news. So if you were to ask my wife, hey, Alex, would you come up and preach a sermon or do announcements? She would have a heart attack, a literal heart attack. She would hate with passion having, having to prepare to come up on stage and give, uh, give a, any type of announcement or speech or, or sermon. And that's just who she is. Um, and, and, and maybe she'll do that one day. But if you were to ask her, hey, Alex, would you organize a you know, community group service project for 50 people? She would not only organize it, she would, she would execute that to a T. She is great at organization, at something called follow-up. I don't even know what that is. She's great at those things <laughs> and emails and emails. And all sorts of stuff because she's got that gift. Who she is, is she's able to do that because that's fully her. And if she was told that to be Christian is to become like your husband and stand on stage and preach, or if she was told to, you have to be like other pastor's wives who, who do other things that you're not doing, it would, be, it would be killing who she really is. Wouldn't you agree? Her task is to discover who she is in Jesus and own that and say yes to that and know to all the other stuff. The same is for me. I think about preaching, and there's so many great preachers out there, and and as as soon as I started realizing I don't wanna be them, I wanna figure out how to be me, I started becoming a better preacher. Now, that's that's Christian stuff. What about where you are? Because here's my, my third point. This is really important, it just leads into this. Remember, whatever is true for Christianity is true for humanity. Do I have that down? Whatever is true for Christianity is true for humanity. This is so important, and this is maybe a mission of mine, is to recognize that we got to get rid of the secular, sacred divide. We have to eliminate the need for Christian labels. Okay, can we just say that? Because I hear people talking to me like they're, they're business people, and they're like, well, you know, I really want to do the, the real ministry stuff. You know, one day I'll make enough money, and then I can really go into ministry someday. And what do they just do? They just disqualified all the work life they've been a part of. Maybe they're running a business and and what they see in their mind is that, oh, this is secular stuff and the real ministry is when I go to church and do this other thing. No, absolutely not. There's no divide. This is a ministry. And some of us are so good at making lots of money. Praise God. And that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to give it all away. It means you have to steward it And maybe you steward it in a way that makes more and more and more money. And yes, you use it for the kingdom, of course, but use it in a way that empowers life because God's given you gifts and you're recognizing I'm a great businessman. I'm gonna be that fully or an engineer or a teacher or can we talk about this or a stay-at-home mom? I think we live in a society that says two things. Either you have to, as as a woman, you have to get there or, or some of us, some of us see that. Oh, well, um, you're not really working, and so there's like this tension that I've seen my wife experience. But the, where where you live in this world, where it's like you should be with the kids or you should work, and there's this divide. And it's like if you have the blessing to be a stay-at-home mom, can you just be that and raise children that love God and be fully present when you're when you're doing the task that God's called you to do, wherever you are, whether you're at um, at the coffee shop, whether you're at a park, whether your your kids are napping and you're you're preparing meals. For for someone else? Or if you're a mom that works as well, can we just own that and be fully yourself and not compare and just say, yes, God bless you, and do it as a ministry? Is that good news? Just calling it out, even the playing (laughs) fields. We honor the full spectrum of humanity, and if it's true for Christianity, it has to be true for humanity, and so as we think about doing work, I'm not thinking, all right, guys, let's, let's set up these new ministries for you to do at the garden. I'm saying, no, 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 no. What is God giving you? Who are you made to be? How are you using this for the glory of God? Teachers, in the way you educate people, business people, it doesn't matter. The spectrum is there. The possibilities are en- endless. The invitation is to invite God into your life and see what he wants you to do with your work, with him, and doing good things. That's it. You with me? All right, I'm just, I'm still going. I'm not done. Gosh. Oh man. I think also a side note, as Christians, we should be the most creative people in the world. We don't need to create movies with a Jesus sticker on top of it, or a a music with a symbol of a cross, or sing about Jesus every two seconds. Some people are called into that, and that's amazing. I want, I listen to Hillsong and Bethel all the time. I want that music, but I also want amazingly Christian artists that are in the world doing amazing things, not with those labels, and bringing glory to God. That's what we need. We need need amazing movies with better scripts than some of the other ones, I'm not going to (laughs) name, and better acting for the love of God. Oh, let me just pause on that one. I used to be an actor. Man, gosh, right? (laughs) This is all God's business. This is all ministry. And that's my fourth point. We all have a mission field. You all are missionaries and you all have a mission field. Or if you want to use this language, and I love this language, you all have a garden to cultivate people, places, experiences, relationships, resources, all for the glory of God, all in partnership with Him. And and I really invite you into doing the real work. You know, one example is my friend who um, is probably the greatest missionary I know. He owns a business, a restaurant. And um, he talks about this divide all the time and, and he realizes he's doing more for the community that he's in than most churches. He's making tons of money. He's hiring tons of people that normal businesses wouldn't hire because he sees that as part of his ministry. He's raised the bar so it's not minimum wage. He's doing, I mean, everything he can. He gives outward, he gives generously. He's he's seeing his work as the place, his mission field to cultivating a new environment for humanity to flourish. This is his mitzvah. Are you with me? And so the invitation is to just be you Remember, who you aren't isn't interesting. Whatever is true for Christianity is true for humanity, and you have a mission field that you need to ask God what he wants you to do in, because this is what it means for you to be an artist. Amen? All right, good news.
0: Thank you for listening to the Garden Church podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.